I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day. And I pray that you would forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong and graciously keep me this night. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me that the wicked foe may have no power over me. Amen. From the century-old St. John's Lutheran Church of Taylor, Michigan, comes the coast-to-coast -coast edition of Martin Luther's Evening Prayer. The message from God's Word is prepared and delivered by Rev. Dr. Richard Ziley, and this local broadcast is made possible by the generosity of hearers like you. To partner with this ministry, write Radio St. John's Lutheran Church, 13115 Telegraph Road, Taylor, Michigan, 48180. That's Radio St. John's Lutheran Church, 13115 Telegraph Road, Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, Michigan, 48180. Or you may contact Dr. Ziley at drzeile at juno, J-U-N-O, dot com. That's drzeile at juno, dot com. Or you may like us on Facebook, Martin Luther's Evening Prayer. Any way you contact us, know that the blessing of God is prayed upon you, and we are grateful for your support. Martin Luther's Evening Prayer marks its 10th anniversary by expanding coast to coast to Bakersfield, California, Council Bluffs, Iowa, Omaha, Nebraska, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, Scranton, Pennsylvania, Richmond, Virginia, in addition to two stations in Detroit, Michigan. We pray that you will enjoy this message from God's Word and the traditional worship that accompanies it. May God bless your listening. The ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing.
Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text is the Old Testament reading for today, Jonah 3. I call your attention to the words of our text, Jonah 3, verses 1 to 5 and verse 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. This is our text. Once I was driving on a long trip and getting lost in my thoughts, when I noticed that the car ahead had stopped. I was gaining on him quickly. I braked but did not want to go into a skid, so I glanced at the lane next to me, made a split-second decision, and dodged that stalled car. I thank God after that experience, first for calling that stalled car to my attention in time to do something about it, and secondly, that he had prepared a way of escape for me. As I thought of it, I realized 
that the scare I had experienced had chased away the drowsiness that had been overtaking me and that it had convinced me yet again of the importance of concentrating on my driving. It is not merely that God gave me information I didn't already have, but he strengthened the bond between my thinking and awareness, my feeling, my, my feeling needed to motivate me to do what was safe. You know, we don't often think of neglect or distraction as great moral evils. But the effects or consequences of them can be as great or greater than that of intended evil. Sometimes we get so caught up in motives. That's the Kantian heritage of Western philosophy that we forget that the most important part of our actions and decisions is their consequence, their effect on others. And for that we need knowledge, not just good intentions. It is out of God's great mercy that he interrupts our lives and consciousness to warn us to turn before you crash. Or in the words of Jesus in today's gospel, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The people of Nineveh in Jonah's time were living in the capital city of the greatest empire of the day, the Assyrian Empire. They were prospering at the expense of all the suffering their armies caused in their conquests including their ongoing oppression of Israel, Jonah's country. When God called Jonah to go to Nineveh, Jonah had no desire to visit the homeland of his national enemies, no desire to live among those who would look down on him as a foreigner and despised immigrant. And the destruction of the enemy's capital sounded like a good idea to Jonah. So he took a boat in the opposite direction, seeking to avoid God's call. He was on the road to destruction as his boat hit the storm and as Jonah was the first to realize only his own death would satisfy the anger of God so as to spare his shipmates. Foreshadowing Christ, Jonah told his shipmates to throw him into the sea and when they did, the storm ceased and they thanked God. And God graciously gave Jonah a second chance. He prepared that great fish, perhaps a whale, to swallow Jonah whole and somehow preserve him unto the third day when Jonah was vomited onto shore, this prefiguring the resurrection of Christ on the third day. Then God called Jonah again to bring the message of destruction to Nineveh, and the prophet went. Notice that his message was simple and direct. Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. When they heard this, the people of Nineveh realized that they must turn before they crash. The word repent means to turn, to change direction, and by extension to change your mind or thinking. 
The people's minds changed. Instead of continuing their lives caught up in their own thoughts, they strained to see what would destroy them in 40 days. An earthquake? An invasion? An infection of a COVID virus or worse? They knew that an empire built on violence breeds resentment and violence in return, making war likely. They knew that importing slaves and sex workers for their own pleasure would bring in diseases and sicknesses they would be unfamiliar with and perhaps vulnerable to. They knew that a certain justice rules the world which even their pagan gods gave tribute to, even if these gods did not always abide by justice themselves. The natural law of right and wrong is etched into every human heart. And when confronted with seeming inescapable doom, we connect the dots to understand a nexus between our actions and what happens to us. And so the Ninevites responded to God's message of judgment. They humbled themselves, sought mercy, acted in concert to avert the impending disaster. And Jehovah God was satisfied. He changed his mind, or more properly, he spared them as he planned due to the repentance that he had given them. Their destruction came not in Jonah's generation, but about 140 years later, as the prophet Nahum later predicted. And it came for the reasons everyone knew that, as Jesus said, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. But thanks to Jonah's warning, the Ninevites turned before they crashed. And that generation survived. You might think that Jonah would have been pleased to see the people believed his message, that many were delivered from destruction because of his work, but he was not. Perhaps he continued to hold the Assyrians' sins against them. And who could humanly blame him? Violence and destruction, murder and rape, and the deliberate policy of genocide, the destruction of nations and cultures like Israel, were part of Assyria's record. These are not easily set aside. And national guilt tempts us into demanding payment from the descendants of or families of those who incurred that guilt. That lies behind several of our ongoing problems of tension in our world today. But just as Jonah's self-sacrifice to spare his shipmates and his three days in the depths of the sea were a foreshadowing of Christ's work, so too the repentance of these Ninevite Gentiles was a prefiguring of God's plan for all the nations. For God's plan was that repentance and forgiveness of sins be preached in Jesus' name after his resurrection and that many Jews and Gentiles might believe. You and I have assembled for worship today because that has come true. So now, 
I prophesy to you, as did Jonah to the Ninevites, within 40 years you shall be overthrown. You shall die. You will come crashing into the limits of life on earth. And you will be brought kicking and screaming into the grave. Turn before you crash into the gates of hell. The life spent living for self seems to run smoothly and you're lost in your own thoughts until death appears standing in your way. But there is an open lane, a way of escape available to you. Jesus said, I am that way, the truth, and the life. Get in that lane. Turn into it before you crash. God has sent you the message. May God prompt your heart to turn. May God's spirit change your thinking. May the promise of the gospel change your desires. Only God can do it. So let us humble ourselves before him. He who had mercy on the Ninevites when they repented will surely have mercy on us. All the apostles whose writings have been preserved in the New Testament have this to say to believers. Be careful how you live. Give attention to the path you're on. Look at what is up ahead. Remember you will die and see the Lord. Live in such a way that you will be unashamed at his appearing. God graciously helped the Ninevites escape a temporal destruction, but to you and me, he offers escape from eternal destruction. Temporal death loses the comforts and delights of temporal life, but eternal death forfeits the comforts and delights of paradise. These are the blessings God gave his Son so that we might receive them. Accept his gifts of life, salvation, fellowship with God now and hereafter. Nothing will cause you to turn more than these gifts offered through his message of good news in Jesus Christ. Nothing can change our hearts more than the Holy Spirit's power through the word of the gospel. May our hearts be changed by the presence of God among us as we gather around his word and sacrament today. Amen. And may that peace of God that surpasses understanding keep our hearts and minds in this true faith to life everlasting. Amen.
mission of St. John's Lutheran Church is to conserve and promote the true faith of our Lord Jesus Christ in our members, our community, and our world. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day. And I pray that you would forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong and graciously keep me this night. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the wicked foe may have no power over me. Amen. Then go to sleep at once, and in good cheer.